0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So around here, our statement to sum up everything that George is playing for for the rest of the season, and we've been saying this since before the season even began. If you're watching on video, you see it on the desk, you see it on my T-shirt. I guess I may wear my go for two T-shirt just about every day this week, obviously. But our our statement, our phrase, catchphrase, if you will, that's kind of summed all this up is go for two in 22 that last year georgia broke through in a huge way and won a national championship for the first time in program i should say the first time in program history for the first time in a long time more than 40 years they broke through they won that national championship and as the follow-up to that now it's possible to kind of dream big and say hey not only did you win a national championship last year you don't just have to settle for one of those you can go for two in 22 and that's obviously what georgia has a chance to do this season that's been our way of saying that uh, throughout the entirety of this year i think we have some evidence that georgia's got its own way of saying this kind of thing the coaches and the players inside the program they have their own way of phrasing that mission i'm going to show you some uh, details about this and i think stuff like this is kind of cool so we'll get to that here coming up in a moment but before that though let me kind of lead into it this way that there's obviously a lot of talk right now about what the stakes are for georgia with the idea of a college ball playoff berth seemingly already wrapped up there is some thought here that As you head towards championship Saturday, that three of the playoff spots are already taken, regardless of outcomes of the conference championship games. Certainly, Georgia would seem to be that uh, true for them. Michigan would seem that to be true for them there as well. There's even a growing belief that TCU, based on the fact they are undefeated going into the championship weekend that unless they just get completely obliterated by Kansas State in the the Big 12 title game, that TCU may have already secured a playoff berth there as well. So this is kind of that world in which we live in now in which you're left to wonder, well, what does it mean on Conference Championship Saturday if you go into it already knowing that you were in the college football playoff? And so yesterday, uh, Kirby Smart was asked, our own Mike Griffith is the one that asked this, Kirby Smart was asked, hey, what about playing for seeding? What about playing for the chance to be in the Peach Bowl and to be in Atlanta and to not have to travel out to Arizona and not have to think about doing the double dip of two West Coast games to win your national championship? Would it be valuable to you to be in Atlanta? And Kirby Smart was willing to answer the question, but certainly not willing to kind of make that be any bigger deal than it needs to be. Uh, And, you know, kind of downplaying at least a little bit, I guess. This is some of Kirby Smart on that topic yesterday of whether or not Georgia kind of views this SEC championship as an opportunity to earn the right to play its uh, national semifinal game in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, so much closer to home. This is Kirby Smart addressing that topic from yesterday.
1: I don't really know. Um, it's not something that I've really even thought about. I mean, uh, to me, the focus has to be on LSU and the preparation for LSU to win this game. You're talking about hypotheticals of what a committee's gonna think and where they're gonna put people. I really don't even think about it until it comes time, until they, you know, where, wherever the dust settles, whatever happens, happens, then you take the, take the, make the most of it. The only thing you could say is the travel uh, and the time spent, but uh, that only really matters to me on a short week, which is a seven day turnaround when you have the extension of nine to 10 days, it's probably overrated because you're gonna get more travel time
0: one note to what Kirby smarts talking about there when he says the travels only that big of a deal when it's a seven-day turnaround what he's referencing is there was a little bit of a uh, calendar fluke back in 2017 that January 1st of 2018 was a Monday and on that particular year when Georgia played that Monday against Oklahoma, the national championship was just seven days later. So Georgia had been in California coming back home to play the national championship game in Atlanta, but that was just a seven-day turnaround. So it wasn't just the fact that you were having to fly back 3,000 miles to get ready for the national championship. You were doing it with what I think is by far and away the shortest window of turnaround before the national championship game in the playoff era. So that's kind of what Smart is referencing there. And I think we would all agree that the practical reality is that if Georgia could stay in Atlanta for the national semifinal game, if it's, you know, obviously in the college football playoff, if it could stay in Atlanta and play in the peach bowl, that would just be better than having to go to Arizona and either stay out west the entire time, which I don't think Georgia would do, or then go to Arizona, come back home, then go back to California. Obviously, if you could avoid that much travel, you'd like to do it. That's just the practical reality of the situation. That's kind of the logical conclusion. But here's the thing I think we also understand there as well. And Kirby Smart, as a leader of men, I think he certainly understands this too. That human beings are not logical creatures. Human beings are emotional creatures and you know the whole idea that it's just logically better to play the peach bowl in atlanta as opposed to play the fiesta bowl in arizona given the fact that the national championship is also in california no matter how logically true that is human beings just aren't that motivated by logic they're just not motivated by sound reasoning they're motivated by emotion and there's just not a lot of emotion to hey let's play for an easier path to college football playoff let's play for geography let's play (laughs) let's play to stay here in our home state like that's just not not all that much of a motivating factor it is truly a benefit no one would deny that I don't believe but it's not the kind of thing that just conjures up a whole lot of emotion when it comes to playing against LSU on Saturday and then everything else that comes after that in this sort of go for two in 22 season so that's why I think it's really different interesting how different it is when Smart talks about then the SEC championship game it's kind of being its own thing here. It's not just for playing for seating, because if you're a big college basketball fan, this is a huge part of the college basketball conversation. You know, think about teams like uh Duke, that I kind of always want to be in the East Region and always wanted to kind of, you know, know where those like uh, you know, regional final locations were and you know, Kentucky's been big this way in basketball, that where you play in the NCAA tournament's been a big deal in that sport for a long time, if you follow that sport closely we're only just now kind of thinking about football in kind of the same vein. But, you know, while it's while it's certainly practically true and while it's certainly a logistical consideration, it's just not that much of a motivating force for a football team. I think Smart understands that. That's why I think he downplays it right there. So what do you do to get ready for the SEC championship? How do you then find the proper um The proper motivation, the proper, you know, kind of energy needed for this game. Smart's been asked that question a pretty good bit as of late. And I thought that yesterday he gave another interesting answer about how this team views this opportunity. And. You know, this is kind of his idea about what the what the mission is on Saturday, and it sounds like, from smart standpoint, that on Saturday it's about more than just the next step towards a national championship. That there's that there's some additional considerations involved in all this. Once again, here's Kirby from his press conference yesterday.
1: I think it's more about checking a box. It's not about last year's team or comparison. It's about next step and uh, having an opportunity to. Put a number on the wall that that stays there forever. You know, it's a, it's an SEC championship. You don't you don't belittle those. Those are hard to come by. Um, they're they're what you do what you do for. And there's such a respect, especially in this part of the country, for the Southeastern Conference that uh, winning a Southeastern Conference championship is is extremely impressive uh, for for the quality of football and the number of NFL players that come out of our conference. I think our
0: our players take a lot of pride in that. So I don't think there's any doubt that what Smart says there is true. There's something about the SEC championship that's different than the other leagues. We just know that to be the case. And an SEC championship, you know, has always been celebrated. I believe even in the future of a 12-team playoff and as the sport continues to evolve, I think there's still going to be something that's special about an SEC championship, just because the SEC as a league is special. I'm an SEC homer, so to speak. So maybe other people wouldn't feel that way, but I think the people who are kind of dyed in the wool, entrenched in this league, whether it be as media, fan, coach, player, whatever else, I think will always have a certain viewpoint as it relates to. That. I think the Smart's right when he says that, but it's something else that Kirby Smart says there that I find to be really, really interesting. He uses a phrase, and. I think it's really neat when a specific phrase like this is the kind of thing that you realize, oh, we've already heard that before this season. And it's one of those things that's not necessarily the, like a common way of saying this. And so, therefore, if Kirby's saying this and if other folks are saying this, there must be kind of something going on here with this. You know, our way of talking about what Georgia's trying to do right now is we say go for two and 22. It's two fingers in the air. That's just kind of the symbol for all of this. The idea that you could win a second national championship, that you got your first national championship last year, at least this era of Georgia football did, and you could get your second national championship again one year later. That's a huge mission to be on our way of saying that's go for two and 22. And that's been a really fun thing to do all year long. We can't wait to do that even more as we head through the postseason. But you hear Kirby Smart have his own way of saying this. And maybe this kind of represents George's own way of saying some of this kind of stuff. He says, we're playing to put a number on the wall. And I love this because I've been to the Buttsmere Heritage Hall. Many of you have there as well. And you've kind of seen those hallways there where it's SEC championships and they're all the years in which Georgia's won them. The most recent coming in 2017 and their college football playoff appearances. Georgia's got two of those now and there's one in 2017. There's one in 2021. And if you can make the playoff again, that's another number, another year that goes on that wall. National championships, you know, for a long time, we saw 1942, 1980. And it just sort of seemed like those two years were kind of cemented in our brain and kind of sort of stuck. With just those two, and now all of a sudden, last year, boom, you put another number on that wall, another phrase, or I should say, another year on that wall, and that's a cool phrase to sort of describe all of this. And Kirby's not the first one around Georgia football to use this. And as I said, when you have this very specific phrasing that is mentioned by Kirby Smart there, and you want to go back to a Georgia player who's used the same kind of thing, I think you're left to conclude that maybe this might be a little bit of a driving force for Georgia here this year. The 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 notion that their legacy could be told by the years attached to a wall that speaks to the history they contributed to this program. And by the way, this senior class could certainly say something pretty big about itself if it could put some more of those numbers on the wall here for 2022. Smart talks about it there, but it was only a couple of weeks ago that Keiris Jackson was kind of talking about the same thing, about his desire to not necessarily chase stats and be a huge part of the offense, but to be a part of the legacy of winning that's been put together for Georgia these last couple of years. What Smart said Saturday, or should say yesterday, Kiaris Jackson had already been saying a few weeks ago, and I think we're left to conclude that this phrase must be really important to Georgia. Here is Kiaris saying his own version of this going back a few weeks ago.
1: If something is working, why stop it? <laughs> That's my mind say hey, I'm here to win games. I'm not here to have 1,000 yards, 20 touchdowns. If I wanted to come in for that, I probably would have went someone else. But I'm trying to put numbers on those walls and trying to be a national champion, an SEC champion. So whatever Coach Makin feels like is going to put us in the best position to win, I'm down for it.
0: Don't you love that once again? putting numbers on those walls, having a legacy that's told through the history of this program. Hey, I was a part of that 2021 team that won the national championship. I was a part of that 2022 team that uh, won the SEC. I was a part of that era in which Georgia made back-to-back college football playoffs. I was a part of that team that went go for two in 22 and put that 2022 number right next to that 2021 number in terms of winning another national championship, putting numbers on the wall. Kirby said it yesterday. Kiers Jackson said it a couple of weeks ago. I think you're left to believe That specific phrasing being mentioned a couple times here, maybe that means something to this Georgia team behind the scenes. Maybe that's their way of kind of putting into words what their vision, what their mission is right now, that this truly does have a chance to be a very special group of Georgia players from a historical standpoint. We told you yesterday, hey, we are grateful for what Georgia has already accomplished, those of us who are fans of this team. But we're also a little bit greedy, too, knowing this (laughs) – has a chance to be a team that even adds to its legacy even more in a very big way, starting this Saturday against LSU, college football playoff after that, and then in Los Angeles for the national championship after it's all said and done. It seems like right now this team is kind of coming together with the right mindset, the right mentality to help get all of that done. Certainly the words they're using would seem to be evidence of that. And seeing how all of this comes together on the field on Saturday, that should be certainly very fun to watch. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we are happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, we start 945, our first and 15 there at dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app. We're 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref, and we're available as a podcast wherever you find them, all across the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, everything else. Just really, really appreciate you being a part of what we're doing here, and we certainly appreciate our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia making all this possible for us here today. Obviously, Engineered Solutions of Georgia, longtime friends of ours here at Dog Nation Daily, and I am so grateful for those of you who support a company like this that's been so good to us. They're also proud partners of UGA, too. So, Jay and the entire team there at ESOG, they are loving everything that's going on with these dogs right now as they make that push towards the chance to go for two in 22 here this season, obviously continuing on Saturday against LSU in the SEC Championship. Our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia, a big part of that with the dogs. And they also are very important for you when it comes to a couple of the biggest issues that you'll face as a homeowner. I'm talking about foundation and waterproofing issues. These are the kinds of things that when you see rain, you see evidence of trouble water creeping in where it's not supposed to be basement crawl space garage something along those lines well that's a reason and a sign to you that you ought to reach out to our friends at engineered solutions of georgia because listen they're a solutions based company if it's a simple fix they'll tell you what to do if it's something more important than that though you want our folks at engineered solutions of georgia on the job for you because they've got an entire team of engineers on staff to help you solve your problem. There's nobody else in our market that can say they put that kind of resource together for you towards your uh, challenge. And it's not just the waterproofing stuff. How about foundation issues there as well? You know the signs of this. You've heard it before, those cracks in your wall. You go down to the basement, you see those cracks down on the kind of like that floor in your basement, the foundation of your home. You see evidence that, ooh, maybe we have some settling issues and things aren't quite the way... Uh, they're supposed to be here. Once again, that's the kind of thing that would be a trigger to you to call Engineered Solutions of Georgia. If it's good news, if it's a simple fix, they'll tell you that. If it's something that takes a little more work to get done, you want the best. And that's exactly what Engineered Solutions of Georgia is. So give them a call. 678-ESOG now. That's 678-ESOG. It's 678-ESOG-NOW. I've said this number a million times Do you think I'd say it correctly. 678-ESOG-NOW that'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. All right, for us today, it's Jake Fron before we're all said and done. It's Connor Riley coming up in a moment and in a couple of minutes here there as well, it's around the doghouse there too. But before that, let me give you an idea about the rest of the week here for us. A couple of important updates. We are just one day away from the absolute true kickoff of this go for two in 22 time of year. We're going to be live tomorrow at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven at 6 p.m. I have now had it confirmed that the entire Dog Nation team is going to be on hand for this. I'm going to be there. Jeff Sintel is going to be there. Connor Raleigh is going to be there. Mike Griffith is going to be there there as well. The entire Dog Nation team on hand at Brookhaven tomorrow, 3575 Durden Drive. That's the. It's 3575 Durden Drive Northeast. That's the uh, address. 3575 Durden Drive Northeast. We're gonna start at 6 p.m. We're gonna have a great time. We'll do a live broadcast. We'll do a special behind-the-scenes Q&A. We are gonna get you ready for the SEC Championship and then everything else that could come after that. All of that as a way of kicking off go for two in 22 uh, season with the SEC championship and the college all playoff and everything else. We're going to do that with you starting tomorrow night, 6 p.m. at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. It's going to be an amazing event. I've already heard from many of you who are having your plans to be there. We can't wait to see all of you there coming up uh, tomorrow night. Now, After that, we're looking ahead to Saturday and the Dog Nation uh, go for two and 22 tailgate before the SEC championship. Now, here's what you need to know. I told you this is going to happen. We are now sold out. However, uh, you can still get in on the wait list. We already have some people on the wait list. We're going to add a few more names and we're going to see we're going to do everything we can. I'm not really a part of this, but uh, the folks who are a part of it, we're going to do everything we can to get as many folks into the event as possible. The waitlist tickets are going to be released on Thursday. So you've got between now and I guess Thursday to get on the waitlist. And obviously, it's kind of a first come first serve type situation. So as quick as you can get on there, the best position you're going to be there for that uh so it's it's bar it's food it's the entertainment it's a lot of fun Uh, it starts three hours prior to the kickoff for the sec championship obviously 4 p.m on that kickoff it's this upcoming saturday and y'all these big events being as much fun and as great as they are are really made possible by a great collection of sponsors i want to say thanks to our friends at berkshire hathaway home services discover dunwoody kroger royal caribbean marlowe's tavern the 7 6 Apparel, uh, Georgia Farm Bureau, Wilson PC Personal Injury Attorneys, and RS Andrews for making this such a wonderful experience. Very, very excited about seeing as many of you as I can there on Saturday for this big go for two in 22 tailgate event before the SEC Championship. Can't wait for that. All right, so we're going to get, as I said, a great collection of guests today Jake Fromm, Connor Riley coming up. Before that, though, let's go around the doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at uh, Georgia's own credit union. And I want to go back to after the Tennessee game for a moment. In the locker room, in video that was captured by the SEC Network, Kirby Smart had kind of a great celebration there and he kind of kind of went into all of what made that victory against Tennessee possible. But he also used a statement. He said something to Stetson Bennett during that locker room celebration that I think is kind of important for us to consider here right now uh, about what decision they made with the Georgia offense there that day. And after you hear this, I'm going to kind of explain why this matters right now as you move towards the SEC Championship on Saturday. This is Kirby Smart audio from the video shared by the SEC Network of the celebration in the locker room after Georgia kind of whipped up on Tennessee. Here's Kirby. Don't ever
1: underestimate the power of physical toughness. And physical toughness wins in football now. And if you in this room, you got it. And if you come in here, you better believe in it. Because this physical toughness, it's what makes the difference hell of a job both units complimentary football I mean offense y'all were explosive aggressive and really we took the ball out of your hands some steps you know what I mean because it was wet and nasty we played like we had to play to win the game okay did a hell of a job being explosive though you guys have done it I I ain't been around a group as connected as much love as they got in this room
0: so Kirby tells Stets a minute right there and you probably heard that clip before Uh, He's still he tells that it's been right there. Hey, we took the ball out of your hand offensively because it was wet and nasty. In other words, we chose to kind of take the air out of our own offense because we felt like we'd scored enough points to win and we wanted to be safe given what the weather conditions turned out to be. And anybody who watched that game pretty much saw it playing out that way. And then a couple of weeks after that, you had another situation where it seemed like Georgia sort of chose not to play offense at its full speed, at its full capability. It was windy in Lexington, very, very cold, very, very windy. And that day, Georgia kind of also chose to play a much more conservative brand of offense because of the weather conditions there in Lexington. And then you had the game this past Saturday against Georgia Tech, where once again, it sort of seemed like Georgia had a very conservative game plan overall, and you're left to conclude. Well, maybe Georgia just didn't really feel like it needed to do more against Georgia Tech. Tech couldn't stop the run. Tech has never been able to stop the, the rushing attack for Georgia. Uh, could not do that on Saturday. And so therefore, knowing that you didn't need to do much more than that, that's all kind of Georgia chose to do. So you've got this kind of weird scenario with Georgia um, over the course of the last few weeks where by choice, seemingly, and it's been a different reason every time, but by choice, it seems like that Georgia has kind of deflated its own offense a bit. And as that has kind of taken place well all of a sudden you've seen what at one point time was the georgia offense scoring in excess of 40 plus points per game uh way more than it had in previous years under todd monk and certainly previous years under kirby smart All of a sudden, that's not quite the case anymore. Georgia, statistically speaking, has actually fallen just slightly below last year's scoring mark on a per-game basis. Not by much, but it is a a bit here. Georgia had been in the top 10 in scoring all season long, but now they've kind of fallen out of the top 10 in uh, scoring uh, here here too, you know, scoring differential. You look at, you know, a uh, point differential. Georgia has been in the top three of that category all year long, but over the course of course, the last three games, they have certainly not had a top three level uh scoring differential either. That statistically speaking, their offensive numbers have taken a pretty big hit later in the year. And Seemingly all of this has been by choice. Smart, not even knowing that he was being recorded, said that after the Tennessee game. We have evidence of that after the Kentucky game, or during the Kentucky game, and the tech game on Saturday for a different reason, also seemed to be one of those moments in which the the uh, the Georgia offense sort of chose to be less than its absolute best or chose to be less aggressive than it had kind of been earlier this year. So the question that sort of leads me to ask is, well, can you just flip the switch? I mean, you sort of flip the switch off the last few weeks. Can you sort of flip the switch back on now that you're going into uh, the postseasons that you're going into go for two and 22 time of year here? Can you just sort of flip that switch back on and become this potent high scoring offense the way that you've been all all year and the way that you were prior to uh, the game against Tennessee, kind of prior to this final third? of the regular season yesterday in his uh, weekly press conference kirby was asked about what his offensive scoring goals are for georgia you know how he kind of views that this is what smart said they're kind of looking for on a per game basis offensively kirby from yesterday
1: i think our our goal i forget is either 35 or 38 but that's just based on the course of time Uh, i want to say we want to score right at uh 38 points a game is our goal um and we base that on college football you know, history and and want to be number one in scoring offense, if you can do that, you're going to be usually near it. Now, in most recent years, you wouldn't have been first there because the numbers have kind of gone up, 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 up and away. But um, I think uh, Coach Munkin and the offensive staff agreed this year that it was either 35 or 38.
0: So, obviously, Georgia's kind of right there at that number. They're averaging about 38 points per game here this year. But when you look at some of the Tech stuff, some of the Kentucky stuff, second half of Tennessee – you know, you didn't see kind of that level of offensive play. And as I said before, we have every reason to believe it's sort of by choice. But can you choose now to sort of flip that switch back on and be the kind of explosive offense you need to be to bring home another national championship, to win an SEC championship this upcoming Saturday? We think the the final score by which Georgia is going to win all of its big games, for us, it's kind of always the same thing. It's sort of 30-something to 20-something. You know, Georgia won the national championship last year, what, 33 to 18-18? That's about what the the template is for every big game for Georgia. You've got to find a way to be in the 30s. And it takes some explosive plays to get there when you're facing the best teams on your schedule. And we have seen for the totality of this year, Georgia be that kind of offensive team. We have seen less of that, though, late in the season. Is it just that simple to say, well, now that they're in a different phase of the season, now that they're playing indoors again against better teams, and you know now that the conditions are different, that all of a sudden the Georgia offense returns to being what it was prior to some of what we've seen in recent weeks, I have to admit that's a little bit of a lingering question for me and one that I'll look to see get answered when Georgia takes on LSU on Saturday. That's around the doghouse and is presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union. And Of course, this time of year, you're buying holiday gifts, you're traveling around, you're doing so many things and the things that you're already doing, that experience can be made more enjoyable for you when you make those purchases using one of those Visa signature and platinum cards from our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. Because when you use this, you're going to get incredible incentives to go along with the purchases you're already making. I'm talking about all kinds of flex rewards that can be used for just about anything. Gift cards, cash back, travel, merchandise, so much more. You can also earn up to $150 when you open a new platinum or signature card from our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. There are some uh, restrictions that apply here. So you can find out more details by checking out the website org. that's the word georgia spelled out org for more details on all of that all right so we got jake Fromm coming up here in a bit that's going to be fun we'll talk to jake about what it meant to him to win an sec championship something that uh he was lucky enough to be able to do in 2017 but for now on the state of the Georgia offense. Is it just as simple as saying, okay, they go back to being what they were? Uh we'll ask Connor Riley about that. College football Playoff Top 25 comes back out again tonight. We'll talk about that there as well. Uh, there's a lot of ground to cover. Let's get busy doing it. It's Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and it's Connor Riley here right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com Insider. I want to bring in Connor Riley here and we'll continue the conversation we were having there a moment ago. Connor, over the totality of the season, Georgia's been one of the best offensive teams in the country. But statistically speaking, they really haven't been that the last few weeks. And in almost every instance, there seems to be a choice that Georgia has made to almost reduce its own offensive output. We heard Kirby say after the Tennessee game, hey, we took the ball out of your hands because of the rain it was windy in Lexington. Against Georgia Tech, maybe you didn't really feel like you needed to do much of anything. There's been lots of reasons for why Georgia's chosen to be a more conservative offense than it was earlier this year. But as someone who obviously wants to see Georgia win the national championship and certainly beat LSU on Saturday, I'm sort of left to wonder, can they just flip the switch and going back to be the older version of the Georgia offense now that the situation's a little bit different than what they have been facing in the last few weeks? Is it as simple as that in your mind, Connor?
2: Yeah, we talked about this at halftime uh, during Saturday's game, and I think we, we did see Georgia come out and flip the switch there in the second half. And while, yes, Georgia, I believe, has played down to their opposition and circumstances in, in current situations. You look at you know the weather in Kentucky a few weeks ago, the weather against Tennessee. Every game that Georgia plays for the rest of the season will be indoors, played in a dome stadium, so those conditions aren't going to be an issue. And while Georgia has undoubtedly played down to its competition – I think it has also very clearly played up to its competition, playing its best games offensively, at least in my opinion, you know, Oregon, South Carolina, and then that first half against Tennessee. Well, those are the three highest ranked teams that Georgia has seen this season. And so I do think that while yes, you know, the offense has not operated at the level that it did in, in earlier in the season, I think we still know enough that Georgia can hit and work on its, you know, bread and butter type plays, quick passes to Brock Bowers. They can now use probably Kenny McIntosh more liberally out of the backfield as a receiving threat. I think they have sort of found those explosive runs that we've been looking for them to hit in recent weeks and recent years. Uh, you know, finding some more success there on the offensive line. Uh, the big thing I think that if you are worried and that they might not be able to flip the switch because it has been, I, I think, a consistent issue throughout the season, is just the red zone execution. Uh, I think it goes down to both you know players executing plays and some play calling that could certainly be better. I think Georgia has been very vanilla in that aspect of the field and I think that is perhaps why you have seen some of the struggles that you have seen in terms of scoring touchdowns and settling for field goals in that area.
0: Yeah, along these lines, I mean, a thing that's a very important th- for me is point differential. You know, how much are you beating the opponents that you're playing by? And really Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio State have been kind of in a different category all season long in terms of how badly they're beating the teams that they're playing. And with Georgia kind of slipping in that regard, at least the last couple of weeks, now their overall point differential for the entirety of the season is still really good. And as you said, against the best teams Georgia's played, the the Tennessees, the South Carolinas, the the Oregons, their point differential is it, it, that's a huge argument in favor of UGA. But in terms of really kind of knowing where this Georgia team is right now, I have to say, I don't probably romanticize adversity as much as some people do, this idea that oh Georgia's learned how to win these close games to me, a hallmark of greatness is avoiding close games. And I would say that, you know, maybe a little bit as of late, Georgia hasn't quite avoided the close outcome or making games closer than they need to be as much as I would like for them to. I'm not suggesting that means they're doomed in the postseason or anything like that. But it is a little bit interesting to me that there have either been portions of games or the entirety of games where the you know the point differential between Georgia and its opponent hasn't been quite as great as it was earlier in this year, I'm not quite ready yet to say that it means something, but I'm also not quite ready to disregard it and say it doesn't mean anything.
2: I don't know. I feel like this just feels a little bit about worth finding something to nitpick at this point in the season, given the way things have gone, given just how far out ahead Georgia is in front of the rest of the SEC and its competition. Well, I understand you know nitpicking about point differential. Georgia still hasn't played a one-score game since October 1st. And I do think that, again, if Georgia wanted to keep its pedal down this entire past week against Georgia Tech, the final score would have been something much more, you know, greater than 37 to 14, where it ultimately ended up as. And so I do think these last couple of weeks, especially as injuries have mounted at certain positions, especially the outside linebacker, I do understand just getting a win and doing enough to, to look good there. Georgia doesn't, in my opinion, need to play for style points, and they just need to, in my opinion, continue to do enough to win. They've done that. If they score on a fourth and one, or a third and one, rather, and the end of the third quarter against Kentucky, they're up 23 to nothing. And I don't know that we're having this hemming and hawing conversation about point differential and has Georgia looked great enough against teams like Kentucky and Georgia Tech that, quite frankly, they're not going to see in the college football playoff. And I still put a lot of stock into what we saw in the first half against Tennessee and then the game against Oregon, where those are closer count level to the team that Georgia is going to see in the college football playoff, and they've played at their best in those games.
0: Along those lines, looking into Saturday in the SEC Championship, I think there's a chance that LSU is the best team that Georgia plays the rest of the season. I know they've just lost to maybe what's the worst SEC team in Texas Am and last week. And even with that, that doesn't actually change my opinion on this very much. Um, if Jaden Daniels is healthy, and obviously that's one of the biggest ifs right now, I think that LSU is, frankly, just as dangerous as you know what I think TCU has chance to be, or maybe what USC has chance to be. Maybe not quite as much as Michigan, but we've sort of seen what Georgia versus Michigan looks like less than a year ago. Um, I have sort of respect for this matchup uh, against LSU on Saturday, and the loss on Saturday doesn't change that for me all that much necessarily what do you think about george lsu here right now
2: yeah i'm really concerned about Jaden daniel's health you know he's in a walking boot today and they're going to do some more testing to see if he's going to be able to, to play but even then he's not going to be 100 percent this week and i think his biggest asset in the way he could possibly hurt this georgia defense is with his legs and mobility and even if he is able to play that is i think severely compromised there so I struggle to see how this LSU team is going to score consistently. And, look, that Texas A&M offense was atrocious all year, and you give up a season high in point totals to them last week. uh, That's incredibly concerning. And going back to the LSU offense, their biggest weakness, in my opinion, is that offensive line. Well, now you've got to go block Jalen Carter, and I don't think that's going to go very well for LSU this weekend. And so, while over the totality of their season, I've been impressed with what they have done. I think they're coming into this game against Georgia, you know, uh, they peaked in early November, late October with you know, the performance they had against Ole Miss, the big win against Alabama, but they were not good against LA, or against Arkansas with, with Arkansas using two backup quarterbacks in that game, winning only 13-10. to 10, And then they just go sort of get their doors blown off against Texas A&M last week on the road. This isn't a team that's coming in playing their best football. They are a little banged up, especially at the quarterback position. And while, yes, Harold Perkins, B. Joe Gilari, they have some real talent there on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, This LSU team, to me, felt like they maybe arrived here a year early and sort of ran out of gas in getting here, and now they have to face, I think, the best team they'll have played all season, and they're not close to the best version of themselves in
0: doing so. I'm going to dig deep here, and this is definitely a reach, but I'm going to do it because (laughs) listen, that's what we're doing here. We're getting ready to the SEC Championship. If Daniels is not completely healthy, Garrett Nussmeyer, the backup, is – the precise opposite of of what Daniels is as a quarterback any concern here on the part of Georgia with the potential of having to prepare for two quarterbacks who are very very different and the kind of game plan stuff that might go into that is that a real thing at all in a week like this
2: so I imagine you're thinking back to you know 2017 or I guess 2018 national championship game when Tua comes in for Jalen Hurts, or even the 2018 SEC championship game when Jalen Hurts came in for an injury to a tug of Yeah, I was hoping that would be I kind of the
0: unspoken subtext to all this, but yes, that's what I'm thinking about.
2: Here's the difference. This Georgia defense this year is far better and far more talented than the defense that Georgia had in either one of those seasons. I, you know, in thinking back to those past teams, those early Kirby Smart teams, this 2022 team, well, yes, even a step-down talent-wise from what we saw last year, is still, in my opinion, significantly better, at least on the defensive side of the ball, than those teams. You know, Monty Rice was a really, really good player for Georgia in his time. And obviously, he was banged up in the 2018 SEC Championship game. Monty Rice would not start for this team. And Monty Rice is an NFL player, but I, that's how highly I think of Jamon Dumas Johnson and Shma Munden. Uh, you know, Jalen Carter would have been the best player on this 2018 team, and maybe even that 2017 Georgia team there as well. Chris Smith is every bit as good as J.R. Reed, and was certainly better than Richard LeCount was in those two seasons for Georgia there. Akili Ringo, while we've dabbled about where he ranks in comparison to other lockdown corners, you still feel very good about what he and Kamari Lasseter can do on the outside. And so while I understand, you know, maybe the PTSD that stems from Georgia against backup quarterbacks in big games, this Georgia defense, which once again this year, despite losing eight starters from a season ago, five first-round draft picks, once again, finished first in the country in scoring defense, giving up 11.3 points per game. And I remember in the offseason we talked about you know, David Pollack saying, no, Georgia's going to give up a touchdown more per game this season. we all said, yeah, that's probably pretty realistic. Well, they only gave up 1.1 points more per game this season. And so, uh, you know, Garrett Nussmeyer, Jaden Daniels, I won't say Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow is really stinking good. But it, it to me it doesn't really matter who you put back there as that LSU quarterback. I, I think Georgia's defense is good enough – at this point in time, to find a way to make life absolutely miserable for whoever the opposing quarterback is.
0: Tonight, the college ball playoff top 25 comes out again, and I guess the potential for drama exists with what goes on with Georgia-Michigan. I certainly think that Georgia should be and will be number one still Uh, I guess there's also drama potentially with where Ohio State and Alabama land in all of this. My expectation is, is that Ohio State will be ranked ahead of Alabama. I think Alabama is essentially eliminated from playoff discussion, even though obviously Saturday was good for their fake playoff hopes. I don't think it was good enough to actually resurrect them necessarily. Do you see any intrigue and drama in tonight's CFP top 25, Connor?
2: I do. I, I think the Ohio State, Alabama, and I'll include Tennessee in here, and I'll explain why, uh, where they rank those teams out I think is going to say a lot because I don't think it's a lock. USC wins this weekend. and uh, you know, I'm not confident that they're going to put in an 11-2 USC team into the college football playoff. And so that 5-6-7 you know, ranking, A, none of those three teams, Ohio State, Alabama, and Tennessee, are going to play this weekend, so their resumes are done. And I do think that there is an argument, you know, you could have Alabama at five, you could have Tennessee, I think even ahead of Alabama, potentially given Tennessee beat them head-to-head earlier in the season and finished with a similar record and I think has a better overall resume than what Alabama has. But obviously the Hendon hooker injury I think does factor into the decision-making there. And if you're an Ohio State team, you won your first 11 games of the season all by double digits. You have a win over Notre Dame, you have a win over Penn State. But you got absolutely skull drug in your biggest game of the year, which came at home, whereas Alabama, while, yes, the resume is not nearly as impressive in its totality, their two losses came at the end in last-minute situations. And So I do, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the committee does. Now, the committee makes up rules every week and changes things on the fly. So what we see in terms of 5, 6, and 7 this week might not be the same come Sunday. But I do think it'll say a lot. And I think the committee is probably aware of this, that, you know, the manner in which they have Ohio State, Alabama, and Tennessee this on Tuesday is probably going to indicate a lot yeah. in terms of where things are probably headed heading into Sunday.
0: So I don't disagree with you that if you're making a football you know, evaluation, I think that Alabama may be a better team than Ohio State. In fact, I guess I probably think they are. However, I think the one thing that we do see year over year, even as the committee changes its members, The one thing that remains pretty consistent is this group does not like losses. They can say what they want to about tough schedules and statistics and blah, blah, blah. When it comes down to it all when it's all said and done, they count losses and they prefer teams that just have fewer losses. So from that standpoint, a Tennessee, A Bama, they have something that Ohio State doesn't have, which is a second loss. And I just think that's going to carry the day here for Ohio State. So I agree with you. I do not think that USC is in an obvious win situation against Utah. In fact, Utah's already beaten them already this year. And if USC doesn't win, I don't believe they're making the college football playoff. And if they don't make the playoff, I believe it's going to be Ohio State because, fair or not, they just have fewer losses. I don't feel that way about TCU. I think that TCU, unless they lose by 40 points on Saturday, is probably going to be in the college football playoff no matter what. I'm very surprised that I'm saying that. But I think the TCU has essentially punched its ticket right now. I feel like there's a lot of... Um, a lot of momentum about making that conference championship matter for something, even though TCU is not exactly the most well developed brand in college football. I think the Horn Frogs are basically in right now. USC, I don't feel that way, nor do I think they should be. Their resume is actually pretty thin without getting this win against Utah. But if it's not the Trojans, I believe it's Ohio State. I'll give you the last word.
2: Yeah, and, and I'll be interested in, in, in sort of, you know, again, seeing if the committee backs up because. If you're asking Georgia and you're giving them veritasium to, to find out the absolute truth from Georgia, they probably say who they would want to play, and that'd be Alabama at four. But Ohio State, like, we, we can sit here and talk about strength of record and who we think is a better team based on recruiting rankings and talent on paper. Alabama had chances to win both of those games against Tennessee and LSU. And the fact is, they didn't. And, and look, like, I, I get close losses. I get playing on the road. I get all that. At a certain point, you got to go out there and execute and win games. And and Alabama didn't do that twice this season, and and Ohio State only had it it happen to them once. And and so I think at the end of the day, look, we can talk about fair or not. This is college football. Hugh Freeze just got hired at Auburn. You know, this is not a fair sport. And and ultimately, I think winning comes down to it. And Ohio State found a way to win more this year than Alabama did, and I ultimately think that is why they're going to be ahead of the Crimson Tide, even though I think if you were to ask Georgia – they'd probably say they'd rather play Ohio State than Alabama in the college football playoffs.
0: Connor, great stuff. Thanks for being here today. We appreciate that. We'll see you tonight on video as we react to these top 25 uh, announcements coming out live. We'll look forward to doing that with you then. And uh, appreciate you being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia Today.
2: Yep, as always, it was a pleasure.
0: Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC group yeah so it's a very interesting debate and you know in a lot of ways um it's not what I thought I would, probably would be saying because I'm just sort of conditioned to believe that the committee wants to keep teams like Texas A&M I should not Texas A&M Texas Christian TCU um that they want to keep those guys out of the college football playoff because they're just not nearly as well developed a brand as some of the other places are uh the USC's the Ohio State's the Alabama's teams like that but in this particular case I mean if you care about like some of the analytics stuff some of the stat stuff I and mean, you look at strength of record you look at overall you know performance here i mean tcu has actually proven a pretty good bit they have the resume of a playoff team you know usc has the brand the the national following that you want playoff teams to have if you're on the committee but their actual resume is pretty thin tcu kind of the opposite they don't quite have the same National following, but they certainly collected wins here over the course of the year. We'll talk more about this tonight. We'll also talk to Jake Fromm here coming up in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind you, we're cruiser on the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I got a short getaway coming up here on a wonder of the seas that terrific terrific cruise ship is the largest cruise ship in the world right now going to get a chance to sneak away for a couple of days actually next week which i'm really looking forward to on the other side of the sec championship and uh kind of prior to the college football playoff getting a chance to recharge those batteries doing that really excited about that and i would say as you kind of head towards this holiday time of year as you start thinking about 2023 this is a great time for you to also book your own royal caribbean cruise vacation if nothing else we hope to see you on board with us for the second ever Dog Nation cruise coming up this April, April 24th to the 28th leaving out of Port Canaveral, going to Nassau on the Bahamas, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, that private island oasis that's so much fun. We look forward to having you be a part of that with us. The website you can go to is royaldogs.com. That's royaldogs.com. It's a website specially made by Jessica Slater, terrific travel agent who Royal Caribbean especially selected for us to book this Dog Nation cruise and really book all of your Royal Caribbean cruise needs. Every Royal Caribbean cruise I take, Jessica Slater is the one that books it for me. So uh, I trust her. You should too. Give her a call, 770 718 9147. That's 770-718-9147. So we got a lot of SEC news to get to. I'm going to try to bounce through some of this quickly. And then I guess we'll see about maybe coming back on a couple of these stories here as the uh, days roll on. So it is official. Hugh Freeze is the next coach at Auburn. That was announced yesterday. And there was a lot of pushback to this. And listen, Hugh Freeze has a very, 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 very checkered past right I mean we all understand that whether it be NCAA stuff his own personal decisions you know Hugh Freeze is a little bit of a weird guy I don't think there's any doubt about that whatsoever but here's the other thing too and listen if you're a Georgia fan you just kind of use all that kind of stuff as fodder to go kind of back and forth with the uh, um, with the Auburn folks By all means, I'm not going to stand in the way of that. That's what rivalries in the SEC are about. So to me, all is fair in these sort of social media, you know, message board type wars. So do whatever you need to do to kind of go back and forth with the Auburn fans in your life. I got no problem with that. But when it comes to the actual truth of all of this, though, I have to tell you something. Like, I don't want anybody to be judged by the worst thing they ever did. And the worst thing that Hugh Freeze, at least that I know of, that he ever did, seems really, 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 really bad. Unseemly, right? but at the same time it's like are we going to really say okay well guys like that 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 make a mistake uh, you know have a moral failing uh, at that level they should never work again they should never have any opportunity to be employed again i just don't know that i necessarily feel that way i I, I really don't so i actually don't have a problem with auburn hiring freeze i think he's probably a better coach on the field than lane kiffin is and you say what about all the other stuff i mean the fact of the matter is here's what i think you see i think you see two clear differences between kiffin and freeze you know, kiffin's the son of a longtime nfl assistant he's kind of grown up in a very uh i guess sort of elite cultural corridor in a way that hugh freeze kind of didn't you know Hugh freeze brings a lot of working class sensibilities to to his profession he came up through the high school ranks he has had to earn his way into every job that he's ever had and he sort of comes across a little bit uncouth certainly kind of low class sort of you know you know sort of working class you know there's a certain thing about that freeze that sort of turns off a lot of people but honestly i'm not so sure that all that's fair either so you know i'm actually not going to jump up and down too much but uh, uh auburn hiring freeze there was interesting news yesterday when it comes to the fact that cadillac williams who did a great job as the interim coach for auburn uh so much so that some people wonder maybe she even get the head job well, he is going to be retained by the Auburn coaching staff. That was kind of coming out yesterday. Cadillac putting putting that out there on social media. The first big move for uh, Hugh Freeze there as Auburn coach, securing the future with Cadillac Williams, which is probably a pretty good move. A couple other stories to get to really quickly. Uh, Jimbo Fishers fired Daryl Dickey. That's his kind of like tight ends coach. Offense. Jimbo is the offensive play caller there, but that's the kind of guy that's just underneath him kind of opening the door to the possibility that maybe this offseason Jimbo Fisher will be pressured into making some offensive changes that's what people at Texas A&M think he should do but Jimbo Fisher's got all the leverage in the world because they they owe him like 89 million dollars he can just tell them hey if you don't like what I'm doing then pay me out and let me go uh you know in this case fisher's probably got the leverage but the belief here is if he wants to win he's going to make some offensive changes and he's got to move off of his own offensive system this kind of stuff does not typically go well when some coaches try to do this but that may be the uh, next step there for fisher at Texas a Luther Burden had an interesting social media message. You know, Burden, the former five-star receiver that surprisingly picked Missouri in the 2022 recruiting cycle. He had a kind of NIL-type uh, announcement that he made yesterday. And he also, in the midst of making that announcement, also said, hey, he's locked in. He plans on staying there at Missouri. Now, this is not a binding referendum. It's not obvious that this means Burden really is staying for sure. But he did drop that into an NIL message yesterday. So, Eli Drinkwitz has talked before about players on his roster being recruited by other programs. You would presume that Burden's at the top of that list. Well, yesterday, Burden certainly took the step that he could take in that moment to say that he's coming back uh, to Missouri here for this year. So we'll keep our eye on that. And then I was going to do a couple of other things. Let me just say this for right now. Let's get ready to talk to a, a Jake Fromm, but we'll get into this more tomorrow. There's very interesting stuff out there with Dabo Sweeney right now. Sweeney's kind of firing back at his own fans. I don't have time to fully getting into this right now, but there is real significant evidence here that the uh, the foundation that has been in place uh, for um, for Dabo there at Clemson that may be starting to, that that facade may be starting to fall apart here a little bit. That foundation may be starting to show some cracks. Speaking of our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia, uh, that foundation there at Clemson may be running into some issues here right now. So that's a longer story than i have time to give you right now so we'll push that back uh until tomorrow and we'll go ahead and wrap up and say that is cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and with the sec championship on deck for georgia on saturday let's talk to a guy that's won an sec championship it's former Georgia quarterback jake Fromm. it's a kroger fresh take with him today here on dog nation daily jake i know you're busy thanks for your time we appreciate you being here as georgia gets ready to play a big game on saturday how you doing
3: Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Thank you for having me. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, excited for this week. Big win over Tech, and hopefully they had a little momentum there in the second half to propel them to start fresh and start hot going into the SEC Championship game. I like the
0: thought of that, Jake. I certainly do, and if anybody understands what it means to win an SEC Championship for Georgia, it's yourself. You and your teammates were a part of that in 2017, and when you all won, it had been a little bit of a drought. Georgia hadn't won the SEC before that since 2005, so you know, what was that locker room celebration like? Now, y'all knew you are going to the playoff. And you had, you know, the excitement of going to the Rose Bowl, all that kind of stuff. But kind of prior to that, just celebrating that SEC championship for you and your teammates and Kirby Smart's second season, kind of a remarkable accomplishment. What was that like for y'all on that particular Saturday?
3: Yeah, that was a, a huge moment. It's a really big deal. Winning an SEC championship is so hard to do. Uh, it's tough, and it's so rewarding there at the end of the locker room, sharing that moment uh, with your guys, with your teammates, with your coaches. Um, it's a big deal. It's a, it's a, a huge accomplishment that, that nobody can take away from you. Um, and some may even say it's harder than winning a natty. So, um, I don't know. It's a, it's tough to do, and uh just wanted to embrace from everybody afterwards on just a, a well-accomplished season so far. And then knowing the work to do later after that, uh, just gets you really excited.
0: Do you think that the presence of the playoff and the way in which that's kind of evolved the sport, do you think that has taken away from Conference Championship Saturday at all because there obviously are so many eyeballs now in the College Football Playoff?
3: Not, not the SEC Championship. Maybe some others uh, with some other teams that can still get in uh, if they don't win it. Uh, but the SEC Championship is still just – it, it, it's the one it's, it's the big one uh it just it means so much uh in the SEC it just means
0: more you know going back to your own career here for a minute too you guys had the experience of playing the Rose Bowl in California and then that year and I don't know if you remember there's not But the national championship game was only one week later. It's normally like 10, 11, 12, some days, even two weeks. For y'all, it was seven days. You had the challenge of coming back from California, getting ready for that game. And obviously, I say all that because this year, one of the things that can happen for Georgia is they could play a semifinal game in Atlanta and not have to travel to Arizona and then come back and then go to California. Like, how much does that West Coast travel affect a team when, for college football players, they're not used to that. In the NFL, you guys are doing that all the time. But in college football, you're not typically traveling that far. How much of an advantage would it be for Georgia if they could stay in Atlanta for that Peach Bowl national semifinal game?
2: Yeah, that
3: that would be a really big deal. You get back in your bed, uh, you get your rest, uh, and the coaches get to start crunching on the film, crunching on the game plan uh, a whole lot sooner. Uh, I know from us, speaking from experience, we won that game, and we got to enjoy it for about 30 minutes on the field afterwards and about 30 minutes in the locker room. Uh, And and Kirby's screaming his head off, get on the plane, get on the plane, we got to go home, we got to go home. Couldn't enjoy it um, uh, because he was just so uh, worked up and wanted to get us home to get our rest and to get started because it was such a short week uh, for the national championship. So I know it's definitely on his mind, and I know he'll definitely be – Uh, thankful for
0: that yeah you know uh, typically speaking media is not in the locker room as you know but for the bowl games you kind of are and so I remember seeing Kirby in that locker room after that game he was so ready to get back home to Georgia he knew you know how challenging that travel was going to be that was certainly as hot as I've ever seen him personally obviously you've seen a (laughs) different side of him as a player but he was so ready to get y'all out of California that day I'll never forget just how intense he was after the greatest win that Georgia had in like 40 years
3: Oh yeah, I know. I know. He 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 was all about it. Uh, I mean, we had Quavo in the locker room. We had Ty Gurley in the locker room. We're like, coach, man. I mean, we're trying to take this
0: in. Uh,
3: but uh, he he just wasn't having it. Uh, and you know, he he had a plan, and uh, he he wanted to to get that plan done and accomplished.
0: So let me ask you this about the team on the field right now, because obviously we've talked about this a little earlier. That Georgia's had some interesting scenarios offensively here the last few weeks, where. You know, it started raining in the Tennessee game. Kirby said, hey, they kind of took the ball away from the offense because they didn't feel like they needed to do much more. It was very windy in Kentucky. You and I have talked about that. You know, last week you're kind of facing an overmatched opponent. Maybe you don't want to show too much. What do you think the current state of this Georgia offense is right now? Can they just sort of flip the switch and go back to being what they were before? Um, you, know, you know, what are you seeing from Stetson Bennett in particular right now? What do you think the current state of this dog's offense is as it goes into the most important game that's going to play all year long?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the last couple of weeks, you can kind of see it with the, with the points. They're not quite putting up the points they were earlier in the season. Um, they just kind of vanilla right now, maybe not have a true identity, um, but I think they're going to pick one uh, coming this Saturday, and they're going to say, hey, uh, this is us, you can't stop us, and we're going to do it for four quarters. Uh, whatever that is, whether they come out slinging it, uh, throwing it to the tight ends, getting the receivers involved, or say, "Hey, we're just going to play smash mouth football, There's nothing you can do about it." Uh, I don't know. We'll find out. We'll, you know, we'll figure out whatever that concoction is they're cooking up there, uh, up in the coaches' offices there. Um, but uh, it's going to be exciting and fun to watch uh, because can do so.
0: We may have uh, run into an issue. The
3: country, the running backs. I mean, they can they can do whatever they want
0: to do. Jake, I want to ask you one more thing about LSU coming up on Saturday. Before that, let me remind folks that's our Kroger Fresh Take with Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily here today. As we head towards the holiday time of year, one of the great ways which you and your family can enjoy uh, this holiday season was the Kroger Chef Junior, the Guided Kids Cooking Experience. Which takes place a couple times each month, uh, where your kids get a chance to learn how to make a great item. And this month, as you might expect, it's sort of holiday themed. How about a chance to make some holiday brownies, both coming up December 3rd and December 10th at select Kroger locations? You can be a part of that. Now, every Kroger Chef Junior uh, experience is a guided cooking experience that lasts for 30 minutes, where your child's going to receive an apron and a patch, a chef's hat, a recipe card and box and cookie cutters it's just seven dollars per child you get two different times to do that this month on december 3rd december 10th you can go to krogerchefjr.com for more on that it's word junior spelled out j-u-n-i-o-r krogerchefjr.com for more on that jake we'll finish with this lsu's obviously a formidable challenge in most years a little bit weird this year in the fact they come in off a loss they're nine and three from a mindset standpoint you know how do you get ready for that knowing this is a little bit different kind of sec championship than you're used to seeing where Oftentimes, it's two national championship contenders on both sides. For this year, that's not quite the case.
3: Yeah, it's, it's still the SC championship. You're going to get LSU's best shot. Uh, and Peyton Daniels has been playing really well here yeah. in the second half of the season. So it's going to be all about him, containing him, not letting him use his legs. Uh, and as long as the defense kind of restricts him, uh, I, I think it'll be a, a nice, fun, usual day we see from the Georgia defense uh, in a pretty dominating
0: fashion. Jake, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being here as part of our Kroger Fresh Tech this week. Hope you enjoy the SEC Championship on uh, Saturday, and we'll look forward to getting a chance to chat with you very soon. Awesome, Brent. Thank you. So good stuff there from uh, former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm, his thoughts on kind of where the Bulldogs are offensively and kind of uh, the challenge ahead as you look to the SEC Championship. And also, Jake, not mincing words here that the SEC Championship, all the conference championships in this sort of day and age in which we're very playoff-centric, the SEC Championship still has great meaning. And certainly for this Georgia team on Saturday, you get the sense that's the motivation they have. Before we go, I also want to give another quick shout out here for a moment. Our friends at Peachtree Orthopedics. And listen, an audience like ours, you've got all kinds of folks who are, you know, yesterday I took my son to play golf and a lot of you love doing that or some of you like to run marathons. I wouldn't know anything about anything like that. But we all kind of have our own thing we like to do to be active, right? We have our own kind of favorite pastime when it comes to to living an active life. So then we just, it's what makes life fun to get out there and do the things you enjoy. But if you have some sort of injury situation, the opportunity to enjoy things like that, that's not, it's just very limited. You know, if you have back pain, you know, playing, you know, golf made harder, you know, knee pain, you know, going out and running or things like that. All that's made more challenging when you're facing some sort of, you know, orthopedic issue. Well, that's why I want you to know and learn more about our friends at Peachtree Orthopedics, because they've been Atlanta's go-to orthopedic practice for 70 years. So if you're talking about leading physicians and specialists that can really kind of give you the insight you need for whatever, like part of the body might be bothering you, shoulder, neck, back, uh, you know, knee, any, anything, anything like that. Our friends at Pete street orthopedics have a plan for all of, it, and that's how they want to kind of put the process in place for you to get you feeling better again. They want to listen to your problem. They're going to explain all your options to you. They're going to make a plan for recovery that's specific for you and your needs. going to get you back living the life that you enjoy. They also make it incredibly convenient there too. Uh, same day, evening, Saturday hours, uh, you can avoid the ER and kind of get that sort of specialized, you know, kind of, uh, you know, specialized treatment that you deserve here on this, and then get back to doing the things you love faster with our friends at Peachtree Orthopedics. So to book an appointment to find out more about them, check out their website. It's peachtreeorthopedics.com. That's peachtreeorthopedics.com. All right. So our golden shoes for right now, kind of themed around go for two in 22. I'm just sort of doing a search of go for two and 22 so many of y'all using that hashtag up there on social media which i love to see we're trying to put as many of those messages up here on the screen to kind of close out our show now today it's also an intersection with our normal golden shoe topic which is making fun of the lousy stinking gators so with that in mind we'll show you today's golden shoe uh, our friend chris Go Dogs 8419 sends this to us to say i think that uga does it better and it's basically a, pl- a play off of the uh chick-fil-a eat more chicken theme except this is eat more gator uh, i think this is really good stuff from uh chris who gives you the uh, hashtag gator hater and also the important hashtag of go for two in 22 Chris you're right there on that also well done there with the uh parody of Chick-fil-a pretty funny stuff so go for two in 22 in full effect and then when that's all said and done you'll turn your attention to 2023 and 333 days from right now georgia back in jacksonville beating up on florida again that is our gator hatred countdown we will see all of you tomorrow on dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia go for two and 22 everybody and on the podcast i'm now the rs andrews podcast cool down we'll take your comments here on twitter at dog nation daily or in the comments section at DogNation.com. Uh, I'll roll through a couple of these. Al Hayes wrote in yesterday to say that no team that doesn't play a lick of defense is going to beat Georgia. He says the USC head coach always has great offenses, but terrible defenses. And that's certainly true for USC once again. I think for the most part, Al is right about this. When I look at the kinds of teams that are likely to beat Georgia, I would probably look at those teams that come close to doing what Georgia does. The thing that Georgia does so well is, is that For a team that is elite defensively, they score a lot of points. They find a way to put pressure on you on both sides of the ball. We heard this in the Kirby Smart clip we played today. The idea of complementary football, you know, coming out there and scoring points on you offensively, limiting you defensively, and you're just fighting a war on two fronts. And that's very hard for most teams to do. And so if Georgia would ever lose a game, you know, it's going to be to a team that kind of does some of that well. In fact, go back and look at Alabama a year ago. Alabama beat Georgia in the SEC Championship. Alabama was the only team in the country last year that came close to doing what Georgia did. You know, Georgia was top five in both offense and defense. Alabama was top 10 in both offense and defense. So that ability to kind of come close to matching what Georgia does from a complementary standpoint, Alabama was close to that last year, and it gave them a chance to win the SEC championship. So if Georgia were to lose a game this year, you know, once again, it's going to be to one of those teams that would come close to, to being able to do that and you look at the current playoff landscape and you say well who is that like who could do that here this year and there may not be anybody and that may be why georgia really is on its way to go for two and 22. That this is kind of gone from being a championship that georgia could win to maybe now it's a championship that georgia should win because nobody else quite matches what georgia does in every phase of the game i guess you'd say that michigan of the current playoff teams likely playoff teams comes the closest to playing that complimentary football but we also saw georgia versus michigan a year ago Now, who's to say it's the same result two years in a row but if you're a georgia fan you've got confidence in your team in that game i would certainly understand why you do in other words i think that Al's making a very good point uh somebody on twitter called brock needs 20 touches a game writes in to say that brandon the dogs are not using brock bowers nearly enough he has the potential to take it to the house every time thanks enjoy the show and i think it's right i mean You know, we can talk a lot about, you know, guys we'd like to see involved, but Georgia's best offensive players, Brock Bowers, and you certainly don't want to. I mean, look, there's a lot in football that you don't have control over. Ultimately, where Georgia, whether Georgia wins it all or loses at some time, some point along the way, that's not completely in Georgia's control. But here's what is in control. If you do go down, how is it that you want to go down? you know, what is your plan of attack for these next three games? And the one thing I certainly hope that we're not left to say, if Georgia somehow does fall short and doesn't win the national championship, I certainly hope that we're not saying, Ooh, if only they had gotten the ball to Brock Bowers more, that would be the kind of thing that would be a very, very tough conversation to have over the course of the offseason. So when it comes to being at your best offensively, getting Bowers involved in a big way would seem to be a big part of that. And I hope to see him get a lot more touches as you move towards the college football playoff. I certainly do. So it's a fun conversation. It's an interesting one, and we appreciate you being a part of it here. You can hit us up on Twitter at DogNationDaily if you want to have your comments read during this portion of the show. Or if you go to DogNation.com, where we post the show each and every day, go to the comments section at the bottom of that page. You can just kind of write in your comment, and we'll read it here as we do each and every day. So thanks to all of you for being a part. We appreciate our friends at R.S. Andrews for making it possible there as well. Your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs, that is what R.S. Andrews is all about. If your water heater goes out, in many cases, R.S. Andrews can replace it for you the same day. You just need to find them online at rsandrews.com. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. It's Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then.